Welcome to Agency Nation Radio. Marty Agather here, and today I'm joined by two special guests, uh, Tony Wessling from Chromium and Peter Van Artrike from Artrike and Associates. Uh, some of our listeners are probably familiar with uh, Peter because he's been in the uh, insurance space for quite some time. Peter, tell us a little bit about uh, what Artrike does and how you met Tony. Yeah, yeah Marty, well, well thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for having, having us on. Um, it was a dark and stormy night back in um, May of 1982, actually, when I decided I didn't want to work for a newspaper anymore because the deadlines were killing me, and it was 2 in the morning, and I was covering a town council meeting about uh, a, a, a change to the town constitution that all meetings should end by midnight, and it was 2 in the morning. So the irony of that was just ludicrous, but yeah, it actually was a dark and stormy night. So you know what happened to me the next day? I went for a job interview at AM Best Company and uh, joined the magazine group there, Best Review, and then went on to work at a couple of insurance trade associations, the uh, Insurance Information Institute in New York and the IADA uh, down in Alexandria, Virginia. And um, started our trike in 1999 as a marketing company to serve folks around the insurance industry. Um, and then um, so all of our clients are insurance related. Uh, we actually love insurance, which is a little wacky, I know, but we love we love the industry. We love the people in the industry. We met just some unbelievably cool people over the years. And one of those persons that I met was Tony Wessling back in Tony. What was it 2007 or eight or nine or somewhere in there? Yeah, somewhere in there it was at the uh, the IMCA meeting up in Seattle, I believe. Yeah, the IMCA as opposed to the YMCA, Marty. It's the IMCA, the Insurance Marketing and Communications Association, and uh, Tony um, uh, is and was then a really, really good designer who had done some marketing for insurance clients, and of course I was there for the same, and um, we, were, we were sort of struck by the fact that here we are, uh, we have our companies that were uh, doing some strategy, but we were a lot of tactical work, Marty, it was a lot of... It was a lot of um, activities, at least for me, I felt like uh, many times I was putting a lipstick on a pig. In other words, doing brochures and, and things that just something seemed off. Like there was, it seemed to lack a real clear direction uh, and, and lack a real strategy around what the product is or where the company is or what the brand is all about. And so I found myself asking more and more questions um, that, that sort of elevated the whole thing up the food chain all the way to the C-suite. Tony was in the same boat. And so we decided that we would form a new organization that um, was a kind of a new vehicle, if you will, to talk about brand and culture strategy, which, frankly, Marty, is desperately, desperately needed in this industry to have a brand and culture strategy that makes sense for the consumer and makes sense for today's worker. So uh, with that, let me pause, and, um, and Tony, why don't you tell a little bit more about, about Chromium? Well, you know, Chromium is a strategic consulting firm, and we, we focus on brand and culture as a st- strategic asset. We work with leadership teams uh, to catalyze the, you know, the energy of the culture and, and to really help them build a resonant brand so that they're speaking both to the talent uh, that they have and that they need to uh, acquire, as well as uh, are speaking to the to the customers that uh, they you know <laughs> wish to acquire and and want to be very loyal. So 
we're essentially helping them uh, build these brands that are uh, what we say they're, they're, they're vivid, shining brands, and we help them build them from the inside out by focusing on brand and culture at the same time. And, and when we've talked in the past, those two things are sort of self-reinforcing, correct? Well, I think right now, and this is something that Peter and I came to the conclusion, is that a brand often lives in marketing. Uh, the C-suite uh, sometimes just says, yeah, tell marketing to uh, put out a brochure or whatever. Uh, and they think that that's branding. Uh, and then the HR department says, hey, we're having cookies on Friday because uh, that's part of our culture. Um, you know, and, and there's so much more to brand and so much more to culture than that. And the fact of the matter is that, that the two of them are, are intertwined and where they meet, there's an opportunity for leadership to, to use them as a strategic uh, point of leverage to, to get better talent, to attract more loyal customers. Yeah. And. And the best thing I think for listeners to do right now, if, if they're able to do this safely, is draw in the air an infinity symbol. An infinity symbol where one loop on, on, on one side is, is brand and the other loop is culture. And there's always this meeting point in the middle when you draw that, that infinity symbol. And that middle, that X that's created there is, is we believe, um, core values, which are lived by workers uh, on the inside and shared with customers and prospects on the outside. And we believe that core values, which we can talk about a little bit more, are the North Star to guide behavior at a company. Um, so often, Marty, companies of all sizes, whether it's a small agency or a very large carrier or reinsurance company, they, they often um, have folks who are, are decentralized, maybe producers who never come to the office or people in regional offices around the country, around the world even. And without core values, there's no, you don't know what they're doing. They're making up, they're making up how they behave as a, com- as a person and as a company then uh, as they go along. And, and when you have written, a written brand strategy that includes core values, you, you create a roadmap and guideposts and things that are not so subjective, they're more objective where you can use them in job interviews, you can use them. Uh, and and uh, when you're talking about performance, um, and so it becomes much more real, much more strategic than uh, the, the company picnic. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to dive into the middle if this is inappropriate, but uh, can you take that that lofty statement and and sort of maybe uh, clarify it a little bit? D- define a core value that either. Chromium has identified for itself, or or perhaps one or two that you've that you've helped customers yeah, identify. I can do that. You know, it, it's when Peter says the core values are the north star, that they're the, they're the meeting point uh, between where where culture meets brand. That's because both talent, you know, your workforce as well as your customers or prospective customers, policyholders in this case, uh, they're looking for relevance in their lives. They want to associate with brands with which they share core values. And, and core values are not, um, are not diffuse. They're really pretty deep. Uh, one of ours is communicate genuine gratitude. And, and that's because we realize that, that so many people don't uh, ever get thanked for the work they do. 
and that that's one of the most corrosive and destructive things to a to an organization is when people feel like they're toiling in obscurity or without recognition. So communicate genuine gratitude is, is one of ours. Uh, another one that we have is foment innovative thinking. In other words, do everything you can. We always say that we're a catalyst for our customer success. We don't save the earth. Uh, branding has not, has not uh, uh, stopped any war. But uh, but what we do is we work with the companies that do do these great things. Uh, you know, insurance companies help people from, ca- you know, save people from catastrophic loss, give them peace of mind. Uh, and we help them communicate their core values to their customers. So when we say something about Chromium, uh, such as uh, one of our core values is give science and creativity equal respect. Well, when we say that, what we're talking about is that there's both a, a science to this. There are there are statistics. There, you know, you want to make sure that you're driven by statistics and and verifiable outcomes. At the same time, there's a there's an art. There's a nuance to both brand and culture that is really really hard to put your finger on. And so you have to be you have to be attentive to both those things. And in our organization, that's one of our core values. So you can imagine that in 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 your organization or in any organization of the companies for the people who are listening, that they have a certain set of core values. And as Peter says, um, the customer is always right is not a core value. Uh, there's, there's a lot. You really have to dive deep and do a lot of talking, a lot of work to understand, to capture and codify true core values. And you can't have 12 of them. Did you know Uber had something like 17 core values? Uh, and I don't think anybody could recite a single one of them today, right? Too many core values. They, they were probably flippant. And, uh, and so they didn't actually act as the North Star. Right. right. And, and <laughs> you know, I, 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 I love talking about this and I wish I had spent my entire career in this space because Marty, what core values really means, it, it, it sounds like a corporate buzzword. Really what it means is, is how, how we behave as employees. It's really the only employee manual you'll ever need when it's, if it's done well. In other words, like Tony says, uh, what's not done well are sentences or phrases like, the customer is always right. A, that's not even true. And B, how does that relate to me and my job? If I'm, the, if I'm in janitorial or I'm in the cafeteria or if I'm in customer service or I'm in the C-suite, what does, what does that really mean in my job? So... We think of it's better to have action words. Like we did some work for a nonprofit. They came up with one called learn, unlearn, relearn. So think about that. That's, that's pretty powerful. That means if you adopt this core value as a company, it means you're going to invest in, um, I'm sorry, you invest in education for folks. But it also means me and my job, I need to unlearn some bad habits and relearn a new way to do things. They have demonstrate commitment. Do more with less. Um, I love this one. Be fearless and wildly creative. Respect and encourage the team. Be joyful and have fun. So these are things that people can use in their everyday job. It, it guides how they behave. It doesn't matter what office they're in, the home office or the decentralized. And this is, like I said, a North Star for how you, how, not why or what you do. But, but how how you behave? Yeah, there's something you know. Peter mentioned uh, Marty that that that's how you do things. That's how you operate. Core values tell you how you operate, and 
in addition to that, uh, there's mission and vision. Uh, and everybody knows, I'm sure, every corporation has a mission statement and, and they may have a vision statement. But very often those are completely misunderstood. Uh, mission is what you do. And that's very simple. What is it you do? What, right? what, what, does, a, what does a hair dryer do? It, it gets your hair dry. But what does it really do, right? It, 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 from an emotional uh, point of view, a hair dryer makes it so that you can reflect on, on how you look and make sure you're going out into the world uh, with the, the image that you wish to project. So you see, that's what a hair dryer does, is both a rational component and an emotional component, right? So, so for us, what does Chromium do, right? We're a consulting firm. Uh, how you know what, what do we what do we do from a, a more emotional standpoint? We create you know vivid, shining brands, inspiring people, uh, being a catalyst. So you can see that these are two two different things. And then uh, vision is what's the better world that you're helping create, and that's a really important point of view because people don't buy what you do just because that's my mission statement. That's a reminder to what I do internally. But people who are looking from the outside, they don't buy what you do, as in the words of Simon Sinek, the famous, uh, famous marketing guru, they buy why you do it. And so a vision is a, a statement of a better state of affairs that your brand, that your company is looking to achieve. What's the better world that you're looking to help build? That is a good vision statement. And I, it doesn't mean... You know, we often had, we had this funny uh, client, kind of a hard-boiled guy, and, and we said, so what's the vision for the, for the company, for the brand? He says, I'll tell you what the vision is. We're going to double profits by, by next year or whatever. And it's like, no, that's not a vision. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's an objective, right? That's a corporate objective, but that's not a vision. What, what's the, the better state of affairs? A good example is the old Microsoft vision, which was uh, uh, the power of computing, a PC uh, on every desk and in every home, and guess guess what? That that power of computing is not only on a, in every desk, on every desk and in every home. It's in it's in our pockets. Uh, it's it's uh, in our in our eyeglasses. It's everywhere. The power of computing is has changed the way that we live, and that was the Microsoft vision. Not to make Microsoft giant and rich, but to change the way that we lived and worked to make make it more effective and more efficient. And and they've helped achieve that that vision. So it's it's it's, it's so powerful, Tony um, and Marty. The the, the the idea of of, of a well constructed vision. Um, the, the Parkinson's Foundation. Um, I, I know this. My mom passed away from Parkinson's a couple of years ago. Their vision is wonderful. Their vision is we we envision a world without Parkinson's. So you think about that, that means the Parkinson's Foundation and all the infrastructure they have here to raise money and to research, et cetera, does not exist because guess what? They've been successful at their mission, which is to research to prevent Parkinson's from ever happening again. So that is a really strong vision. That is something you hang up in the cafeteria, not a vision that says something like, our vision is to be the largest independent agency in New Hampshire. I mean, first of all... Like, like Tony, Tony says, says that's, that's more like a, a business strategy. Um, it, it's not going to inspire employees. Matter of fact, they might resent coming in the office every day and seeing that sign. Because guess what? They're not going to be necessarily richer. The owners might be. And also consumers, the, the target customer, isn't going to get excited about sending you a check so you can be the largest uh, agency in New Hampshire. 
you have to look at this from, from their perspective. It has to be almost an unselfish kind of exercise where you're saying, you know, why are we here? Why do we come to the office every day? What, what do our people get excited about? What, what do our customers care about? And all of a sudden, you step outside the financials and bigger, bigger, you know, we want to get bigger. Of course you do. But that's not a vision. Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't resonate with the customer, right? And and ultimately, that's what this is all designed to do. Mm-hmm. It's clear that that you guys are are working on sort of what I would call um, an integrated strategy, right? So so again, moving from the tactical, which is what your individual firms, and into Chromium, where you're working on uh, on bigger strategies. Um, walk me through, if you will, a couple of the components. Uh, that you use to sort of define these these various um, mission, vision, and the other components of what you call the brand armature. Well, the the brand armature is is our framework. It's a proprietary framework that we developed. It's a, a one page document because there's nothing worse than having you know leadership come to the workforce with a, a sixty page brand strategy document that uh, took you know eight months and $180,000 to develop and nobody can understand a word of it. Um, you know, if, if it's got to have a, a, a table of contact, uh, contents and a, and a glossary, then, uh, then you're not doing it right. So the brand armature is Chromium's framework. It's a one-page document that contains the mission, the vision, the values, uh, the uh, description of the drivers or the deep human needs of the target audience, the persona, the the brand persona that the company wishes to project. Uh, it it has the positioning. You know what what position do you occupy in the mind of the customer? Uh, it has the evidence, what we call brand evidence. What makes your company better? Uh, what makes you a good choice? Why would anybody choose you over the com- competition? That's brand evidence. And then there's the narrative. Uh, what's the story of the company? Nobody buys a brand that doesn't have a history or at least a really compelling, uh, what we call the, 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 you know, the, uh, the origination story here, the, the, you know, the, the birth story, you know, Apple, everybody knows about Apple. Um, you know, so they had a great story to, to begin with. So nobody buys a brand, uh, that, that without a story, there's gotta be a history. There's gotta be a narrative. So, and at the core of all that is something we call the brand essence. Um, just uh, one or two words or maybe a short phrase that just capture what it is you do. Um, for example, Virgin, you know, of the Virgin Airways, Virgin Records, their, their brand essence is giant slayer. So whatever it is that the big boys are doing, they're going to do it better and they're going to kill it. So that's a brand essence. Our brand essence is catalyst because, again, we're there uh, to to work with companies to help them grow, help them be more successful, to help them leverage brand and culture. We don't we don't go in there and 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 change the processes. We don't go in there and, and redo the accounting system. Uh, we don't we don't make the products better. Um, we make the the brand better and the the culture better, and then those two things make the company better. So. Catalyst. That's our brand. Our brand essence. Right. And I'm sure that everybody has one. And we get at it by having a workshop. We do, We get. We get all the key stakeholders in, and we learn what they know, and we help them author and own a brand strategy. Right. 
Yeah, Marty, in the old days, and it still happens, I'm sure, you know, branding companies would take six months and do a lot of research and it costs a fortune and come in with this big report, throw it on your desk and say, here's your brand strategy. It doesn't work. People embrace change when they feel part of it. As Tony described, we have a workshop. Before the workshop, each of these key stakeholders of a company or an agency, you know, whatever the company is, usually it's between 8 and 20 people who are considered the key stakeholders, uh, C-suite, business leaders, even some board members maybe. Um, they are going online and doing a, uh, taking a confidential survey on a number of questions and doing some exercises. And then we, we synthesize all that data and come in. The same people are sitting in, in a uh, half-day or full-day workshop. So they're, they're looking at stuff that they waited in confidentially that hasn't been sugar-coated at all. And they, together, we take them through this exercise to build a brand armature, which is a, one, as Tony said, one-page guidepost for everything you need to do after that, every single expression, every single HR um, memo, Everything coming from the C-suite, anything, a, sale, a point of sale material for the producers, whatever it is, comes from this beautifully uh, phrased document that is created by these stakeholders. They, they create it. We're just a catalyst for it. And so many things, Marty, are taken for granted in, in, uh, in business today, uh, and they're all exposed um, quite dramatically in, the, in this exercise. For example, target audience. Tony mentioned that. But who are these people? Who, even a small agency, they'll say, they'll say, well, we insure mostly larger commercial lines customers. We don't do small commercial. And, and personal lines, yeah, we don't really care about that. You start peeling back the onion, you realize they have a lot of personal lines, they have a lot of small commercial lines, and yes, they have large commercial lines. Each of those customer sets are going to have different deep human needs they come to an agency for. Yes, they need a policy, but they really need something else from you. And when you, when you really think about these things, um, what, are they, what are they looking for and discuss what they're looking for? And then you can deliver what they're looking for besides just the policy. So we call that, the, we call that targeting and being very, very specific about who the target is. For some carriers, uh, they have several targets. They might have agents and they might have policyholders. And so you've got to go through this exercise for each of those target audience sets so you know um, what they're coming to you for beyond just policy. As an, as an outsider, it seems to me that um, most insurance companies and agencies are in the same business, right? So, I mean, it, it might differ a little bit in, in what our core focus is in terms of who our customer set is. Um, how different when you work with these with these clients, how different do their brand armatures turn out? I can I can speak to that, Tony. Um, there are some things around the industry, no matter where you are on the, uh, you know, whether, whether you're on manufacturing or you're on the distribution or sales side. There are some things that kind of rhyme because we've, as, as everybody knows, this this product is. A little weird, you know. It's a, it's an intangible, etc. A piece of paper, you know. It's a promise, etc. So some things are going to rhyme, but when you start talking about things that are unique to your organization and, and your connection with the customer, your relationship with your customer sets, all of a sudden you have things that are really going to be unique. They're going to feel um, authentic if you have that conversation. Your core values might be dra dramatically different if you're in Omaha than if you're in New York City, for just example. 
the kind of agency, the kind of culture you want to create? Do you want to have an environment where folks are, are, are able to act a little weird? Or do you want to have folks come in a coat and tie? I mean, there's so many different iterations. When you start talking about uh, the better world um, that you envision, uh, if you're successful with your mission, um, you come up with some things that, that your employees um, and your key stakeholders might really care about. And that's going to be that's going to be dramatically different. As Tony mentioned, your narrative, the story from where you came and why people should trust you, that's going to be different for every organization. So you got to go through these things, Marty. Yes, some things are going to rhyme um, a little bit, with, uh, but, but there's going to be dramatic differences by organization, in my experience anyway. Yeah, uh, the only thing I would add to that is that uh, the, where we see some similarities is, is often in 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 uh, the visions. Sometimes, clearly, what 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 you do is, you know, the, the mission is very often the same in in like in you know like companies, like agencies, but and the vision is often similar, and which is because you know insurance is is meant to to provide peace of mind and to prevent people from catastrophic loss. And so there's, there's often uh, some similarities in the, in the mission and vision. And from there, it diverges completely. And, and everybody is, is unique. And uh, every organization is different, has different components. And the hard part for them to realize is that, and this is what we, we preach all the time, is that once you capture those unique qualities of your brand and codify them, write them down, put them into a brand strategy, and then make sure that everybody in the organization, the entire culture is aligned behind that brand strategy. Everybody starts using the same words, starts, you know, telling the same stories. And I, I don't mean that you all become automatons or robots, but just that that there's a consistency that that arises that is really powerful. That's the multiplier. When you hear the same thing from a company over and over and over again, and it resonates with who you are, and that is relevant to your life and and the 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 book you're writing about your life. So that that's why having a brand strategy, uh, a real authentic, concise brand strategy, is so important. Well, I, I think that that consistency, right? It's when behavior starts to match uh, the statements that it begins to become real to the customer and to the employee, for that matter. Yeah, right? it sure it sure does. And and as a matter of fact, if you have um, a written brand culture strategy, and you just take the core values um, and and talk about them, and and when you're recruiting for new new workers, new employees. It's, it's suddenly a whole nother interview when the conversation turns, as, as I think it necessarily should turn, to something like, do you want to hear about how we work here? Do you want to hear about what it's like to work here? Well, of course, the, of course they do. You know, if they're, if they're, if they're a good, a, a good um, potential worker, they want to know what the core values are. So I, I would use them even before they become a worker. And I, I, I kind of been thinking about this since I met um, the founder of ING Bank, which was bought by Capital One and subsequently screwed up. But that's a different story. The guy's name was uh, is Arcady Coleman, and he said he, he's famous for this 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 concept. He goes, when I interview people, uh, he I always ask, what is your calling? What are you passionate about? 
what's your cause? And then he says, are you a saver? Because if, if you're not a saver, you can't work here. In other words, if you don't save five bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it is a week or month or whatever, that the concept of saving, you can't work here. So, so that's where the intersection of values impacts the brand as well as the culture. And if he said, if the people making the bread don't eat the bread, they can't live the brand. And so, so why do we as an industry, this, you see this all the time, Marty, where people, they put up with, with, with uh, let's say, the front desk receptionist uh, who has people issues. You know, they have her at the front desk or him. Why do we do that? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't help your culture. And, and, and so you've got to hire right from the get-go, especially in this um, with the emerging uh, um, 93 million strong millennial population. They're not going to put up with what baby boomers put up with. And so they want to work at a place where there's a cause. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. You've sort of turned our conversation a little bit, and, and I think that's perfect given where we are uh, in, in the show. We're about 30 minutes in. Um, I'm really pleased to announce that uh, we've been talking with Peter and Tony for, for a number of months, and uh, – this is the official announcement. I think we broke this a little bit on a previous podcast, but this is the official announcement. Um, Tony and Peter are joining us for a pre-session where we're going to talk exactly about this stuff. They're going to run us through some of these exercises at Elevate, which will be an opportunity for our listeners to get a three and a half to four hour um, dose of exactly what we've been talking about. Uh, Peter, tell us a little bit about what the uh, what what the topic is going to be, and sort of how you envision this thing uh, starting to roll out. Well, well as, as you can, can imagine, Marty, it's, it's not fully baked. baked you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a work, work in progress. progress but our, our, the concept is that we're going to have we're going to have, have a little opportunity on Sunday, June fourth. Tony and I and some other folks, including uh, some folks uh, from Agency Nation, are going to. Um, conduct a, a workshop, um, and this is a, the precursor to the, uh, to the LA conference. It's part of the conference, but it's, it's for those uh, limited to 100 folks who want to do a little, a little sandbox uh, work. And what it, we've talked about some of the concepts, but I think our, our intent is to have folks, um, two things happen, Marty. One, they have, a, they have a really good foundation for the rest of the conference, because you guys are going into customer experience, into marketing. Um, and technology tools. So very, very practical advice and um, actionable information and resources like here's a tool, here's an app, here's an ASP, here's stuff that we can use in our agency or company to improve the customer experience. This, this will be a strategic foundation to make those tools make a lot more sense because otherwise you're just running from one shiny object to, to the other. You're looking for a silver bullet. And technology is not a silver bullet. It's got to fit in with, with a brand culture strategy. It's just a way to get you there. It's not the, mean, not the end. It's a means to an end. So that's number one, a strategic uh, foundation. The second, um, the second thing is to send folks home with some ideas for their own farms. Um, when, when it comes, comes to brand and culture strategy, we're not going to be able to uh, to go into depth on each each uh, uh, attendee there and what their issues are. But uh, we're ha we have some ideas 
where we can uh, multiply the impact of, of some of what we're talking about here, make it much more relevant to each of the attendees. So, so I think it's um, it's a chance for sort of a uh, take a, a blank sheet of paper, come into the room, uh, forget about um, the, all the issues that you're facing right now uh, back at the, the company, and think, you know, if we were starting over, what, what would we do? What are some things that we can do? differently uh, down the road. So, so, so Tony, I think that's the, the gist of it, if you want to add anything else, but I think, I think we're looking forward to um, just a, a, a deeper dive into some of these issues which we feel uh, are so critical for the future of the insurance industry. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, Peter, is, is that it'll be a highly interactive uh, and, and insightful event because you'll the people who attend will be with their peers and they'll get to uh hear you know hear about shared challenges uh they'll be able to to learn about you know best practices because everybody's going to i guarantee you there everybody's going to bring something good to this sandbox a good toy and everybody's going to get to play with it and so there'll be a lot to learn it'll be very fun and uh, as we always find with these sessions Everybody walks out super energized. They just are they're, they they want to go back, get to work, and uh, get started on on integrating their their brand and culture. Because you know leadership teams are are driven by a need for growth, and and uh, they need the insight and innovation that they that 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 they need to to help their companies become successful, right? And this there a lot of especially agency owners. They've got questions of stewardship and legacy. How are they going to make an impact on their firm so that it continues to take care of, of people uh, even after they've exited the picture? And getting a firm brand strategy and getting a really great cultural strategy in place is a really big part of that. And the collaboration uh, that they're going to have with their peers and with us um, is really going to... Uh, I think be a very, a very valuable um, experience for them. If, uh, if, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out to you guys and, and, and get a little bit more information or uh, maybe attendees of Elevate 2017 after they go home uh, need to socialize this with the rest of their management team, uh, where would they find resources about Chromium? Well, um, we can, our, our website is chromium.group, um, and you can always uh, shoot me an email, uh, pbrtrike at chromium.group or twestling at chromium.group. Our coordinates are on the website. Uh, it's uh, chrome, again, www.chromium.group. Um, we're happy to share uh, some case studies. We're happy to share some overviews on, on you know, why, we, why we believe in what, what we're doing. Um, and, and share some work we've done um, in the insurance industry. Uh, there's a fair amount of um, writing we've done as well that's, that's available. People Google our names. They, they can see some of those things. Um, I can say, Marty, um, that, that if, 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 it's, if it's anybody in the C-suite or anybody who runs an agency or brokerage or MGA is, is listening to this and you, you have left marketing not not insurance marketing. I mean customer and prospect marketing to uh, to folks in communications, and you've left 
culture to HR, and these are little projects that they're doing, I think you're abdicating your responsibility. I think, I think the C-suite has to get out of the weeds, out of technical things, out of meetings, and really spend time on developing a, a written, codified, agreed-upon, enthusiastically endorsed brand and culture strategy, and you cannot leave it to chance. There's nothing more important in this industry, Marty, than having a brand and culture strategy going forward. I think I think Tony said it very well a little bit earlier, and that is um, this cultural alignment is critical. And if that isn't embraced and um, led by the C-suite, it isn't going to happen. Yeah. So your point is absolutely uh, on point, which is a pun for those of us on the inside. <laughs> but... Uh, that, that being said, I think we are ready for a wrap. So unless you guys have any uh, final statements, I think we're out of here. Thanks for the opportunity, Marty. Thank you, Marty. You got it, guys. <laughs> <laughs>